In today's episode, we will be discussing how personal storytelling can be used to improve your English, though the concepts apply to any language, of course. To help us delve into this topic, we have invited Fabio Cerpelloni, an expert in personal storytelling. Fabio is a laid-back English teacher from Italy who likes to give his students fun and challenging tasks, like talking about real books, I mean self-development books mainly, and helping them find and tell their own stories. He does this to help his students learn more about how to express themselves and speak English naturally and even to help them grow as people. So I can say that Fabio is really a cool teacher and he really cares about helping his students succeed. To kick off this episode, I want to show you firstly a short clip of our latest episode here on my Fluent podcast because I think this is relevant because oftentimes we say to ourselves or let's rephrase it. <laughs> I think that I don't have a personal story to tell. And this is just not true because everyone has a story to tell. Today, we are supposed to tell our personal story and at the same time to improve. But now, let's jump into today's interview. Daniel, I think that all people, regardless of background or fame, have a story to tell. And I believe that these conversations will enrich our lives. And through the power of connection, we can push for understanding and acceptance. Actually, yeah, it's, it's I, I, Lucia Matuonto, because we were talking right before about her and because today's topic will be storytelling actually the last episode 121 was about storytelling because lucia interviewed more than 250 people and wow. she could improve her english massively it's just incredible and usually i learn through stories i mean by listening right so, and in this episode, we should talk about using storytelling to improve our English. And that's why I think that you are the best fit because as it happens, you have a podcast, which is also mm -hmm. about storytelling. And it seems to me that, yeah, it's, it's just your thing, storytelling, but uh, we will hear about it right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I I wasn't so much into storytelling before, but then I read a book and I really took interest in telling stories, telling personal stories, and I completely agree with Lucia that storytelling is for everyone. Like everyone has a story to tell, even though you might think you don't have a story to tell, because I used to think that you know, I'm an ordinary guy. I've traveled quite a lot in my life, so I thought that the only interesting stories that I had were stories about amazing places that I'd seen. But actually, it's, uh, it's not like that. Like the most relatable stories that you could ever tell are very simple and very ordinary. Something that anyone could relate to, because if I tell your story about a time when I 
experienced something extraordinary, like, I don't know, um, an accident or traveling through the desert in Australia. I mean, what could you say? Like, okay, good for you. But um, you can't, maybe if you are a person who doesn't travel a lot, you might have nothing to say about that or nothing that can connect with you. But uh, so the best stories, and this is something that I've learned, yeah? I, I've learned this by reading a book on storytelling. The best stories are the ones that can make an emotional connection with your listeners. Maybe before we dive into storytelling, can you please tell us your story in 60 seconds? <laughs> sure. My life story in 60 seconds, let's see. I was born and raised in Italy. I couldn't speak English until I was in my 20s. I then decided one day I was on a beach in Italy and um, I met two German girls and I couldn't speak to them. Hello. I couldn't say Hello. anything beyond basic things like how are you and let's go for a drink, that kind of things. And I thought, I need to learn English here, otherwise I can't flirt, first of all, <laughs> and I can't communicate with non-Italian speakers. So I said, okay, I need to get serious. I didn't get serious about learning English, um, but when I was 24, I moved to London because I didn't like the place where I was working. And then I fell in love with the language I started taking courses, I worked and lived in an English-speaking environment. Then I thought, okay, I survived in London, where else can I go? And I went to Australia for two years. And then after two years in Australia, I said, okay, where else can I go? And I thought, okay, New Zealand is the closest country, let's go to New Zealand. And that's, I mean, in New Zealand is, New Zealand is the place where I started uh, training as an English teacher. So, and I've been teaching since 2015, so I'm, a, I'm an English teacher and a podcaster, and I have a cat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the, the best ending, like we're talking about storytelling, but I don't know if this is the best way to end a story. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I like cats, so... <laughs> For me, it's, it's cool. <laughs> and before you became a teacher, you actually, you reached the C2 proficiency level of English. Mm. And as it happens, you told your story just recently on another podcast called English Podcast with Reza and Craig. And I think it's episode 444. How can you get to C2 proficiency level English and teach English for the British Council? Well, that's what Fabio Cerpaloni has done. And on this podcast, I ask him how he did it. And there you really, you gave the whole story how you reached C2 proficiency. So for those who want to learn more about that story, I will put the link into the show notes. Yeah. So you told me that you became a teacher, but you still, you didn't use storytelling to teach English, right? That came later. Yeah. 
Uh, at the beginning, I just used course books because when you're a beginner teacher, you want something to hold on to, like you want structure, you want to manage the class, and a course book, I think, is great for that. But once you get some experience, then you realize that, you know, the topics in the course books, yes, they are interesting because they, you know, they are everyday topics like money, travel, family. But then I realized that uh, I enjoyed talking to my students more than, um, more than doing exercises like more than getting them to do exercises. And I use a lot of conversation in my classes, and I like focusing on what they say, what they're trying to say, and to help them express themselves better. So nowadays I don't use a lot of course books. I get them to tell me stories, and we share stories. Okay, I think storytelling is a very personal activity, and uh, it's a task. Telling a story is a language-rich task, right? You have to, it's like a monologue, because you have to put words and sentences and grammar together to narrate an event, something that happened to you. And I think it's a great way to practice language. It's, the, I think, the most personal way to practice uh, a language, even on your own, even if you're not taking classes. You can just record yourself telling a story uh, two minutes a day. That's a great way to practice fluency and to put what you know into practice. So that's what I'm, yeah, what I've been doing. Okay, and how are we supposed to, to build the story? Do you start mm. by writing your thoughts down or what is the best mm. way how to start learning through storytelling? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I would say that it, it depends on what you want to practice. If you want to practice fluency, I wouldn't write full sentences down. I would just write down keywords or expressions, like let's say 10 keywords or 10 expressions that you would like to use in the story. And then you tell your story, trying to include those keywords, and you see what happens, okay? But another way to practice fluency is to then repeat that story in less time. So you say, okay, I told this story in four minutes. Now let's see if I can tell it in three minutes. And then you say, okay, let's now see if I can tell it in two minutes. So you have to be faster, okay? You have to speak faster. And this is a way to practice fluency. It's actually a very popular technique that teachers use in the classroom. It's called the 4-3, four, 4-2-1 four, technique. So you keep reducing the time, and that forces you to be faster and to uh, speak more fluently. But if you want to practice pronunciation, for example, you can write everything down and read your story aloud. And then you listen back to what you produced, you, you, you listen back to your story, 
And maybe you get a native speaker or not necessarily a native speaker, but a person who has better pronunciation than you. So you think, okay, that person has better pronunciation than me. I'll ask him to read the story out for me. And then you compare the two versions. Okay. Yeah, I see. And that's a good way to practice pronunciation. If you just want to practice speaking spontaneously, you don't write anything down, you just tell a story. You start a podcast like you have, yes, yes. And, um, and then you just tell your story into the microphone. Whatever happens, happens. And that's practicing, um, what did I say? Spontaneity, like speaking spontaneously. Uh, what else? You can do like a lot of activities on your own. You can also say, okay, I've learned 10 new words. I want to practice them and I want to tell a story about myself using these words. No matter what the story is about, I have to use, I must use these expressions. So you build a story using those expressions and that's a great way to recycle the language that you've learned and uh, a, a great way to put it into practice. But also, we're talking about language here, but it's also a great way, like, you, you can just tell a story to connect with other people uh, without the goal, without having this goal of practicing language in mind, okay? Just tell stories. You, you normally do it in your first language. Just do it, for example, if you are attending a class, a language class, uh, you could attend the class by saying, okay, today I'm going to tell a story to one of my classmates. And you just do it. Like, it's very flexible. Um, yes. But it depends on how, it depends on what you want to practice, really. Yeah. So, if I understood you correctly, in your personal language learning journey, you didn't use that method because you, you were focused more on, on textbooks and grammar, right? Exactly. Um, I tried many times to speak to myself when I was a student of English. Like I would practice telling random stuff while I was showering, while I was <laughs> driving. But I ended up telling the same things, like I never told the story. Uh, but now, you know, I think uh, I didn't know any of this. So that's why I encourage language learners to, to do it. Like, there is a game that I've learned in the book that I've read called 321. And it's a game... It's developed by the, um, the, the author of the book, Matthew Dix, and it's very simple. It's called three to one because three is, you have to have three concrete nouns. So you select three concrete nouns. For example, if I look around in my room, I've got a hat, a book, and a laptop. And then you think, okay, what story can I tell about one of these objects? So, for example, a uh, hat. Mm, 
I don't have a story about a... Oh, no, actually, I have a story about a hat that I actually told this story on my podcast uh, in an episode called Bully because I was bullied by a guy who snatched my hat from me and then I tell the full story. But anyway, you choose one of these three objects and then you give yourself two minutes to tell a one-minute story about this object. So, three concrete nouns. You choose one that you think you have a story about. You give yourself two minutes to tell a story, to prepare the story, and then you tell your story in one minute. It doesn't have to be the most meaningful story of your life, but it's just a way to practice, yeah? To practice storytelling, practice finding stories that already exist in your life, and also practice language. I think it's... Yeah. I wish I'd known this when <laughs> I was a learner. Have you ever been to a Toastmaster session? Toastmaster? No. It's like a, a club for public speaking practice. I think it's well known all over the world, I think. They are uh, they are huge. And I think uh, I talked about this, yeah, with a woman from Vietnam that she did it. Yeah, no, but anyway, yeah. And for example, Urmi, which was your last guest on your podcast, she was also on a Toastmaster club. She's also mm. into public speaking. And mm -hmm. I don't know if, if you knew it, but I had Urmi also on my Fluent podcast a month ago. We usually think of fear as something negative, but if you think of fear as your friend, it would just be... It would just mean that something positive will happen to you. So, for instance, I remember that before joining the Toastmaster Club, I used to be super scared of public speaking. But I realized that when I followed that instinct, that uh, fearful instinct, it just led me to good things. Because I know that when I went first time to speak in front of a crowd, I was super, super nervous. But the moment I finished speaking, I realized that it was just giving me a boost of adrenaline. And I just feel like it was helping me to be a bit more confident. So fear really, through all this year, it just helped me to be a bit more confident and to be a bit stronger too. Uh, I know that. And because, yeah, her story is just very in inspiring. To me, it's, mm. it's a lot about identity and yeah, to me, it's just, I can relate to her because in my own journey, I have um, roots in Argentina, I have Swiss mm. roots, I have Italian roots also. Sometimes I feel like I, I don't know where I belong, mm. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Do, do you have a, a like a... a one one country that you feel you belong to more yeah switzerland switzerland for switzerland, sure okay. but you have to know that here in switzerland we have four languages and i am mm. speaking swiss german and even in swiss german you have a lot of different accents and dialects and my dialect is supposed to be very strange and a bit exotic mm. So when I just say one single word, all people around me already know from where I come. Ah. Oh. So. Okay. And because I, I am not anymore at the place where I grew up. So mm -hmm. sometimes I feel that 
yeah, that I don't belong 100% here. And when I go back to my town where I grew up, I am also a stranger mm. because I am not mm. living there anymore. And your dialect is also changing over the time. It's very complicated. <laughs> I can understand what you're saying because uh, when I was in Australia, I felt I belonged there and I would have never left the country. But then I had to because uh, I was a foreigner. I didn't have a visa and um, my visa had expired, so I had to leave. And I was so depressed. Well, not depressed. I mean, it, it wasn't clinical depression, but I was very sad. And recently I told a story about home, what home means to me. Um, and I told it in an episode of, of Stolaroid Stories, my podcast. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's, um, I realized what home means to me. So I, now I know where I belong. So, and where do um, you belong? Hmm. Um, I belong wherever, wherever I feel happy because I, I, I felt happy. But we are spoiling the story now. That's yes. why I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell you. Uh, but yeah, that's the short answer. Okay, awesome. Yeah, actually, I had that question written down. I wanted to ask you, where do you feel at home? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, now in Italy, I feel I feel home really. Uh, before, because when you travel. And you start seeing how other people, how other country are, so what they're like. Then you realize that you start noticing a lot of things that are better in your country and also a lot of things that don't work in your country. But you start appreciating more what you have uh, in your own native country. This is at least what happened to me. Okay, it's something that happened uh, that I realized by traveling, by seeing other places. And uh, I thought, okay, wow, so the healthcare system in Italy is quite good compared to other countries that I've lived in. I I've always complained about the healthcare system in Italy, but actually now that I've seen other, other countries, what they do there, mm, I've changed my mind. And that's actually a, a good story to tell, a story about transformation, changing, um, something that made you think and reflect. That's a, it could be a yeah, good story sure. to tell. For sure. So yeah. it seems to me, if I'm not mistaken, that the book that you mentioned before, it's called um, Story Worthy, right? S story Worthy, yes. It had a, a massive worthy, impact yeah. on you. Because this was also one of the reasons why you started with your podcast. Is that right? Correct. Well, you, you've done uh, great research, Daniel. Yes, uh, this is how I started my podcast. Like before, as I said, I wasn't that interested in telling stories. Uh, I actually couldn't stand people <laughs> who shared everything about their lives on social media. I'm, I don't do that. Uh, because I think that most of the things that people share on social media 
are not really stories. Um, they're just mm, things that happen to them. And usually they're all positive things. Like, look at my beautiful, I don't know, look at where I've been. Look yeah. at my uh, amazing new dog. I don't know. All positive, all happy. But the best stories are stories, and this are, it's something that I've learned in Storyworthy, are stories about failure. Okay. I, think, I think the author will love this. Okay. <laughs> so I'm talking about this book everywhere. Um, but yeah, um, this is the, is, it was really the book that made me think about the value of sharing your own stories, not because you want to be liked by the world, but because you can impact other people's lives and you can make them think, you can make them connect with you. And we are storytelling animals. We've been telling stories for thousands of years. And it makes sense to use stories in your life, in teaching, in learning, because uh, they are powerful tools. So when, when I finished this book, I thought, okay, I now want to tell my stories. And uh, that's what I did with the podcast. Now I tend to tell fewer stories and have more guests because I also enjoy listening to their stories. But I still, I still tell them. I'm now writing one about a time I was in New Zealand. I was teaching in New Zealand. I mean, you are uh, yeah. writing a book? I'm also writing a book, but I'm writing this story down because on my podcast I read yeah. out my personal stories. But I'm also writing a book, yes. Not about, I mean, it's a book about how I've learned English. Personal stories about how I learned English. And um, it's also a book that tells you how to learn English. But mm -hmm. it's every chapter tells you something that kind of contradicts with the next chapter. And uh, it's a format that I. Uh, that I discovered by reading another book that tells you how to live. Uh, it's a book by Derek Sivers. And every chapter tells you how to live, but each chapter disagrees with the next. And I'm trying to do the same thing here because there isn't one way to live. Like there isn't the right way to live. There are many ways to live your life. And uh, I think the same is true for language, for language learning. There isn't only one way to learn a yeah. language. Yeah, people around, I mean, you see advertisements about best method to learn English. This is what you should do to learn a language. Well, that's one of the things that you could do. And sure. uh, language <laughs> learning is very organic, so it's not just... Uh, Black or white. Yeah. And where do you stand in the process of writing the book? Um, do you mean uh, how, long, how long does it take me to finish it? Yes. How long do I have to wait until I am able to ah, purchase it? <laughs> I'm planning to publish. I'm taking it very easy. Like I want to reflect and, and tell the best stories possible. So I'm now... I've written the first draft of the book. It's it's tiny. It's not a like it's it's not a, a thick book. 
It might be under 50 pages, uh, but there are about 20 stories there, 20 personal stories. It's called Any Language You Want, and I think I'll be publishing it in 2023 around June, July, probably, yeah. I'll let you know, Daniel. I'll let you know. I look forward to it. Really awesome. Thank you. I I really love what you said, (laughs) and... I want to go a little bit back because you mentioned something about social media that mm. people normally they just show the good things and and that's not life because the bad things is also mm. part of the life and I mm. was wondering because I got to know that apparently you deleted some of your social medias mm. you are not anymore on Instagram I think Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, because Instagram was really um, grabbing a lot of my attention. And when I would open Instagram, I would spend 20 minutes doing nothing really, like watching reels, uh, reading other people's posts, watching, like looking at pictures. But it was all, not, I, I didn't go deep into any of the topics that I read about on Instagram. Like I would just read, it was just, I was just bored on Instagram. And I don't like this idea of having thousands of followers. I'd rather have 10 people who really love what I'm doing as a content creator, because I'm I am one of those, because I as soon as you open a podcast or have a blog, you're a content creator and as a teacher as well. So uh, I'd rather have 10 people who are really into telling stories, learning English and reading books because this is another thing that I am very passionate about, reading nonfiction books. Um, Then having, you know, 10,000 followers who don't really, who are on Instagram, who follow my social media account just because I'm just another teacher of English there. Uh, um, I know that it's going to be hard for me not to have social media because it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good way to get yourself noticed, but I don't care. (laughs) You also have a book club, right? And and you are mm. using non-fictional books. And mm-hmm. why non-fictional books? Since you are that much into storytelling, wouldn't it be better mm. to get into fiction? Very good question. Um, I'm into storytelling, but when I, when I say storytelling, I mean personal storytelling, so true stories, not fictional stories. So I'm not interested in novels, thriller uh, stories, or anything that it's not real. So I'm into personal storytelling, so I'm into true stories. I listen to podcasts about personal storytelling as well, personal stories. And nonfiction I think I, I'm still trying to answer this question myself. Why am I so interested in nonfiction? 
Um, I think it's because I'm a very, hmm, I'm very practical. I don't know, not practical, but I'm interested in in real things. I'm interested in what's going on in the world, in in our brains. I'm interested in real stuff, and I don't get the same pleasure when I read a fiction book. So nonfiction is a way for me to to read and learn. Like if I look at my bookshelf here, I've got how to um, I've got twenty two simple actionable ways to propel your creative life. Some days today, this is a book that I have. Cool. Some days today, I read about uh, uh, why we sleep. So. Mm-hmm the science behind sleep, uh, why we do it. Um, I mean, it's all, it's all scientific, but it's, it's for ordinary people. It's not for academics. I don't know if you know the um, Sapiens. Do you know Sapiens by no. Yuval Noah Harari? But anyway, I read real stuff, and uh, it's a way for me to grow, to grow as a person, to learn more, to figure out life. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's why I offer these book clubs. Also because um, discussing what I read is a way for me to remember it. And discussing what students read is a way for them also to remember it, but also to expose themselves to language. Because when you read a book, you are exposing yourself to a lot of vocabulary, grammar, and a lot of things. So if you like reading and you want to discuss what you read, you, you, I mean, you can join a book club, not my, not my book club necessarily, but I will put the um, links in the show notes. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. (laughs) Of course. And yeah. So you deleted your social media or some Mm. of them, but where can we find you? Okay, the best way to find me is my website, which is Fabio. Now, I never know how to pronounce it because I don't know if I should, pro- if, if I should pronounce it with an Italian pronunciation or with a, an English pronunciation. So I'll do both. FabioCerpelloni.com, which in English is FabioCerpelloni.com uh, awesome. with a C. C-E-R-P-E-L-L-O-N-I. Yeah, that's the best way to find me. And can you tell us when will your next courses start? Uh, my courses, I'm actually, I have a like a storytelling speaking program that it's always available. Uh, where basically you tell me your story. I'll give you prompts. I'll give you some speaking prompts. You tell me a story. And I give you feedback on language, but also on on the story itself. And that's always available. It's on my website if you go to classes. And uh, for the storytelling, for the book club, I'm actually now um, organizing one for January, the Story Worthy Book Club, and also the How to Live Book Club. It's another book the one that I mentioned before, actually. So January, there's a waiting list on my website if you want to have a look, yeah. 
And do you have a book club in Italian as well? Or it's, it's no. just uh, because I wish you had. No. That's why I am asking. <laughs> mm. In Italian, you mean to read books in Italian? Yes. And discuss them in English or discuss them in Italian? No, in Italian. Because, as you know, I am learning Italian at the moment. Yeah. And you would love to do that. Hmm. I don't have one, Daniel. Okay. <laughs> would you would you join if I had one? Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll, I'll open one for you tomorrow then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And Fabio, do you have a favorite expression in English? I've got two. I've got two. One is not really an expression, but it's a word. Uh, and it's all right. That's my favorite. Like, that's my number one. All right. You want to know why? Oh, yes. Of course. Okay. Uh, because it's, you can use it in any sentence and it can mean a lot of things and it's very short and it, it gives you the message immediately. It's like, uh, you can say, are you all right? Or you could say, is that all right? Or you could say, I'm all right today. Or you could just, I say it all the time on my podcast. I say, all right, now let's have a look at. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that one. And then the other one is no worries, which is something that I heard a lot when I was in Australia. In Australia, they often say, no worries, mate. Which means, yeah, that is cool. No worries, mate. <laughs> and uh, I think it really, really reflects the culture there in Australia. Like, there are no worries there. I mean, they've got problems like every country, but uh, it really reflects the uh, their their lifestyle. So, no worries. And when are you going back to Australia for holidays? Ah. Uh, I haven't seen the western part of Australia, so I traveled along the east coast in the middle, but I didn't get to see the west coast, and that's the, the wildest part of Australia because there is nothing. Like, there is Perth on the southwest part of Australia, which is the most isolated city in the world, and then there's nothing. Like, there's really nothing small towns and uh so to answer your question i don't know but i will go there i will go there as soon as i sell 2000 copies of my next book <laughs> and, uh, and right. as soon as i'm rich <laughs> all right <laughs> no worries I have, i have a last question so this is a quote it comes from your website To keep wow. advancing, I used to challenge myself and I think you should do the same. So what is your next challenge? But I think that you mentioned several challenges today in the interview, but maybe mm. the first one that comes to mind, how do you challenge yourself um, to, mm. to keep advancing? What is your next challenge? My next challenge? Well. Today, first of all, 
this is one of the challenges that I've just done. So coming on a podcast interview with my camera on, this is something that I've never done before. So thank you for getting me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> welcome. So this could be one. So joining video interviews more often and doing videos interviews more often on my podcast, if the guest is comfortable with that. The second one is, mm, well, the book. Is that a challenge? I don't know. Probably not. Okay, I've got so it. It's, it's not a challenge for you to, to write a yeah, book? Yeah, it, it, it was quite easy for me to write it because I already knew what I wanted to say. Uh, now I'm working with an editor, so she's helping me with the writing. And I really love that. And it's something that I, I mean, I would really love to work as a writer, to write articles about language learning. I'm actually on Medium and I want to start growing an audience on Medium. But, well, that's a challenge, but I don't know. I oh, know, I've got it. Questioning, questioning my beliefs more often. This is, this is my next challenge. So not assuming that I know things, uh, but challenging what I believe it's true. For example, I believe that having an Instagram account is not for me. I want to challenge that idea and see if it's really the case, okay? Not having strong opinions or challenging my strong opinions. I see, I see. That's, uh, that's my next challenge. Thank you so much, Fabio. It was really awesome. I could learn a lot. And I have to say that I can learn a lot from your podcast as well. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it was really awesome. Thank you, Daniel. I want to thank you as well because it's uh, like you, you're one of the most motivated and proactive learners I've ever seen. I actually, oh, I quoted you. you, I mentioned you in one of my master's degree assignments. And um, I also wanted to ask you for this interview because you really asked great questions and you did a lot of research uh, about me. And it's something that I should do more with my guests. Like you asked really interesting questions that I've never been asked before. Okay. So. Thank you, Daniel. Awesome. So, bye. Okay. Bye. But Sorry. don't leave. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Oh, yeah. No worries. No worries, mate. Yeah, go ahead. Just pull in front of me. Steal my parking spot. No worries. No worries.